So the other night, my wife asked me a question. Who do you think who do you think is really in charge at the White House? And I said, well, obviously, it's not Joe Biden. He's thoroughly incapable right now for those in power. He's he's nothing more than a figurehead and a puppet on a string. Pull a string and I'll wink at you. I'm your puppet. That, 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 that turn uh, uh, um, blonde in the sun. I'll do funny things if you want me to. I'm your puppet. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. So who actually is Joe Biden and why is he in the White House? It's not for the normal reasons. Let's be honest about that up front. To understand how he got to the White House, you have to understand where he came from. Now, Joe Biden is about 12 years older than I am. Just about. And when I was graduating high school in 1972 at 17 years of age, he was 29 and he was running for the United States Senate. He happened to be, as they say, at the right place, at the right time, with the right message, and he snuck in. And he became a United States Senator at the age of 29. Now, Joe always touted his upbringing as the scrappy boy from Scranton, Pennsylvania, blue-collar working town. He understood the pain of, of working families. And he was going to go now as a Delaware senator. His family had moved there when he was younger. He was going to run for the United States Senate and make a career for himself in politics. Now, what is his work background? What is his background period for being in the United States Senate? Well, really not a whole lot. Even though he tries to claim he was in the top 10% or some number like that of his graduating class, he was actually in the bottom third. He didn't get two degrees, as he claimed. The media called him out in 1988 with his outlandish educational and experience claims when he was doing his first run for president in 1988. Joe Biden is the consummate politician. He knew what to say and how to say it. He was a bit of a character to many people in the United States Senate over the years, but his longevity gave him seniority and, of course, a lot of uh, good positions and power and made him an asset for the Democrats at the time. I think it was, what, around 1980? I can't remember the year. Maybe late 70s, early 80s, when Joe first started losing his hair, uh, he had hair plugs put in. And a lot of people kind of mocked him at the time, but he wanted to keep that youthful vigor going. Because he wanted to be a, you know, like another JFK president. Joe Biden only worked briefly as a lawyer in a small law firm. He served on a county commission for a couple of years when he ran for the office of United States Senator. And like I say, he was at the right place at the right time, and he won. And of course, when you're an incumbent, it's a lot easier to keep winning, especially back in the days prior to the 24-7 news cycle, talk radio, the internet, and all that goes with it. It was easy to get reelected every six years. 
And so 1972, 1978, 1984, you know, just go on and on. 1990, he just keeps winning. And he's got these plum positions in the United States Senate. In many ways, Joe comes off as just the regular nice guy to most people. It's an image that they carefully had put together over the decades. And by the time 2008 came along, Joe thought he had his opportunity in 2008 to finally again run for president after his disastrous 1988 try. The field was open, and it was a good time. And so Joe ran, but so did Hillary Clinton, and so did Barack Obama. And Barack Obama, as we all know, as far as the Democrats were concerned, was going to be the chosen one anyway. It didn't matter. It didn't matter who had the votes. He was going to be anointed the president of the United States if the Democrats won in 2008. But in order to balance the ticket, that's a term they like to use, to balance the ticket, they put the old white guy. hate to sound racist. I'm not really being racist. I'm just telling you how they think in terms of how they think you will think. Put old Joe on the ticket. That'll balance the ticket. And people will think that this young guy, handsome guy, is uh, what, what did Biden say about, you remember what he said about um, Barack Obama, you know, clean, articulate, storybook man. Now, if a Republican had made that statement, they would never let him live it down, and they would pretty much push him out of society. But for Scrappy Joe from Scranton, Pennsylvania, he gets a pass because, you know, he's, he's one of us. He's a regular Joe. He's a regular guy. I want to know one thing. A lot of people used to say, uh, how did Trump get his money? Well, I'm more concerned how a politician like Joe Biden can own multiple homes that are worth millions of dollars on a senator's salary. It's a good question, but nobody nobody wants to ask it. So Joe Biden was the balancing act to make it possible to get Barack Obama over the finish line in 2008. And even though I'll tell you, in my opinion, I was no fan, no fan at all of John McCain. It was about the only choice a conservative had, and it was really a bad choice. So was Mitt Romney four years later. I really believe, had it not been for the economic crisis that just exploded one day, literally overnight, late summer, and really came to fruition by September, I don't think Barack Obama would have won the 2008 election. But he did. And he inherited a terrible economy and all the policies that that administration had, the uh, Obama-Biden administration, actually slowed down the recovery. But they used that, they used the recovery effort as a shield, as a way to, to fundamentally, as they said, change America. 
Now, I said before, Joe Biden is the consummate politician, or at least was back in his day. He isn't now. There's no way he is now. At one time, Joe Biden was pro-life. Now he's pro-abortion. In other words, he goes with, with whatever the wind blows and the party demands. He's a party man. He's not a man of himself. When this election came around in 2020, the Democrats were looking at this field of people that were running. And let's be honest, when you look at the cast of characters that announced for the presidency back in 2019, Kamala Harris, the most unpopular Democrat candidate in the field, She couldn't even get to the first primary before her base or her finances or her popularity were so dismal in order to avoid total embarrassment, she dropped out. Then you had several others like the Beto O'Rourke's and, you know, they were just basically the class clowns of the Democrat Party running on these extreme platforms that the Democrats knew. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in some meetings somewhere in some quiet, out-of-the-way room where they get together and discuss these things. They knew that if any of the class clowns ever rose to the top, if that ever happened, there'd be a second Trump term, and you couldn't cheat enough in an election. You couldn't rig it enough to get away with it. It'll be too obvious. And so by the time we got to the South Carolina primary, now remember, Joe Biden has done not that great up until that point. You had Buttigieg, you had Beto, you had, I'm trying to think I can just see all these strange people running for president with these oddball platforms that there's no way you could get a plurality of Americans to ever buy it except in the most cobalt blue states that we have. Even New York could have been in play with the wrong candidate. And I sometimes wonder if, believe it or not, I wonder sometimes if cheating hasn't been going on for so long in California, nobody notices it. So let's go back to the primary season in South Carolina in the spring of 2020. The pandemic is raging. We have our first hundred and some odd thousand people have allegedly died of COVID. And then one of the grand old figures of the Democrat Party from South Carolina decides that maybe Maybe, just maybe, Joe Biden is the right guy to put into office because from the party's point of view, from the leftist point of view, the man is incapable of thinking and doing things on his own. And so with a little bit of help, they pushed him over the edge to win in the state of South Carolina. And from that point on, after the establishment Democrats in the House and the Senate had made their decision and the endorsements came out, he wins South Carolina 
and ultimately he wins the nomination. And what a strategy they used. The basement strategy. You very seldom saw Joe Biden on the road. Almost never. When you did see him, he was in his office in the daylight basement of his house in Delaware for very limited times. If any Republican had run a campaign like that, he would have been lambasted or she lambasted by the media entirely as being incompetent and compromised. Oh, no, not for Joe. Joe said some of the most outlandish and just literally crazy things that made people wonder about his mental health. Guess what? Guess what? They were successful. They were successful on many fronts. By limiting his exposure to the public with a complicit media never willing to ask the tough questions. He never, he never got a tough question from the mainstream media. It was, how was your breakfast today? Isn't today a wonderful day? How lousy of a job is Trump doing? That's pretty much the extent of the questions that Joe Biden got during the campaign. And anytime he went off the script, he sounded like something was terribly wrong, mentally speaking. But the media would cover it up. You would never see it on the nightly news. You didn't see it on CNN. You never saw it on MSNBC. It was just good old Joe, the scrappy kid that did well for himself from a blue-collar town in Pennsylvania, is running for president, and he's like, and he's like our grandpa, just a nice, gentle, wise old man. Just what we need in the White House. No more nasty, mean tweets by that horrible guy, Trump. And Joe Biden promises he's going to unite us and not divide us. He's going to make life better for all Americans. Now, I'm going to go into speculation mode here. This is, this is my speculation, and I've thought about this over the past many months. I'm going to go back in my mind to one of the radio programs early on in the beginning stages of the weekday program. Now, for a lot of you listeners, you know I've been doing a radio show on shortwave since 2015. Last year, in the summer, I really started wrestling with doing a daily radio program. Not that I wanted to. My ego is not that big. But I just felt the calling to share some thoughts, some wisdom, and some godly counsel so you're not deceived by the things that are going on around you. There's so many moving parts in our in our nation today, it's hard to keep track. And I, I just felt people would tell me, look at those Trump rallies, man. He gets thousands of people out there in spite of the coronavirus and this and that and the other. And Joe Biden can't get four cars to come out there and beep their horn for him at a rally. And sometimes there are more press at the rally or staff than anybody showing up. Of course, they didn't have that many for obvious reasons. 
But they would come out occasionally to make an announcement and put him up there for a moment, well-rehearsed, and get him off stage before he ran his mouth. Because every time he got off script, he put his foot in his mouth. But the media didn't want you to see that. That would destroy the illusion of this wise, long-term senator that knows the ins and outs of Washington and the world. And he's a family man. And he understands what it means to be blue-collar. Joe Biden hasn't understood the concept of being blue-collar since the day he was sworn into office in 1973 as a United States senator. He has been on a fast track for self-building. In other words, building his wealth, building his power base, and building a comfortable life for himself. He was the perfect candidate for 2020 because they knew they could convince enough on-the-fence Democrats that this guy could be trusted, especially during this pandemic time. And using the pandemic to stuff the ballot box with phony ballots, I really believe that. Once again, this is my speculation. My heart says there is no way that Joe Biden legitimately won the state of Georgia. And knowing what happened in 2016, there was no way that Joe Biden really won Pennsylvania, Arizona, or Michigan. Especially Michigan. And let me tell you why I feel so strongly about that one. In Michigan, you have Governor Gretchen Whitmire and how she mistreated the people of Michigan over the pandemic. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Now, let's be intellectually honest. Michigan is a very big state. It's not a tiny state. It's not all Detroit. Yeah, Wayne County, Detroit, is reliably a Democrat stronghold. But I know too many people that have lived all over that state, Grand Rapids, the the Upper Peninsula. A lot of small-town America is embedded all over the state of Michigan. Trump won Michigan in 2016, fair and square. They were never going to let that happen again. But remember, if you lived in the Upper Peninsula, if you lived in many of the very wonderful communities in Michigan, you probably still supported Trump. Perhaps the Detroits, a couple of other locations you could reliably count on to turn the tide if you could get enough votes in those ballot boxes. And that's what they did. Using the coronavirus as a cover, they changed so many laws in so many states and so many ways of voting that it invited fraud at a massive scale, and level. One of my issues that I've had, like with the state of Georgia, for example, they, they'll say, we keep recounting the, the ballots and the numbers come up the same. Whoopee! When you keep counting fraudulent ballots that have been mixed into the pile, you're still going to get the same fraudulent results, and nobody wants to own up to that. Michigan 
Pennsylvania, ironically, Georgia, became ripe locations to steal an election. And I am still thoroughly convinced in my heart of hearts that Trump won the 2020 election and it was taken from him by using the coronavirus as a cover and also the news media painting a very untrue picture about the real virus, its source, and the many ways it can be treated. To this day, so much of known working treatments are suppressed. In other words, the thousands that died were, were acceptable collateral damage to get rid of Trump. I believe that. Firmly believe it. And states like Michigan locked down hard and heavy in an attempt to get the people so mad at Trump for letting this virus into our nation, though he didn't, that they could swing a few votes. And then with a little bit of help in Wayne County, they could push old Joe over the top. Same in Pennsylvania. I still want to know about that truck of ballots that left Long Island, New York, and ended up in Pennsylvania with the trailer gone and the truck driver not even knowing where these thousands of ballots ended up. Nobody knows. Nobody wants to answer the question. To this day, it was a carefully orchestrated plan. And people like Governor Cuomo of New York, they were made to be heroes on it was Fauci himself that said, there's an example of how you should respond to the coronavirus. Yeah. Put sick people back in nursing homes where you have shared ventilation to ensure a higher kill rate. Put more fear in the people. The numbers of people that are dying. You know, I thought about something the other night. By this time last year, how many people had actually died in the United States of the coronavirus? And I'm going to explain why I'm telling you this and then put it in terms of the election. One of the things that prompted this radio show, I came out of retirement to help as a planner and a public information officer. I do both for a large county in another state. And I started seeing numbers and information that were so contradictory and what we had been told to plan for. I'll just put it this way. And I know that those of you that have listened for a year or more have heard me say this, but I'll say it for the new listeners. By the way, this is Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Got a few things I want to share in a couple of minutes. We were told in this particular county of around 300 and some odd thousand people that by July of 2020, like about now, a year ago, to expect and plan for 3,000 people to die. 3,000. It, it was that kind of numbers in March that we're staring at that allowed everybody to say, okay, we'll do the 15 days to flatten the curve. We'll, we'll stay home. We'll stay safe. We'll do all these things. You know, we'll, 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 we're in this together. We all decided to do it. And I didn't have any problem for the two weeks. 
when we heard about it in March of 2020. It seemed like a fair response. And with other things that I knew about the virus that I couldn't believe were not becoming mainstream, the discussion of it being a laboratory-based virus was well known in much of the emergency management community in March and April of 2020. We weren't even doubting that. Matter of fact, the natural origin theory seemed rather strange to many of us from what we had seen. And so I'm planning, where are we going to put 3,000 people that die without overloading the funeral homes, the morgues at the hospitals, and everything else? We're renting all kinds of refrigerated trucks and generators and, and hiding them all over the county in preparation for this massive disaster that never happened. By the time I had had enough in May of last year and said, there's something terribly wrong and I can't be a party to this any longer, they claimed 50 people had died, not 3,000, 50, 50, not 60, not 100, 50. Okay, 51. But it wasn't 3,000. The numbers were not adding up, yet we're living in this terrible fear. Now, let me throw a few other numbers at you. By the time we were getting toward the summer, we had 60 or 70,000 that died nationwide, and they're saying maybe 120 by the fall or end of summer. Or they, The numbers were all over the road. More people died in the first part of this year than all of last year. All of last year. How do we go from 250,000 in 2020 to what they claim is 600,000 now with Biden in charge? And even changing how they count deaths and cases, which happened on, ironically, the 20th of January of 2021, the CDC set out another notification on how to count a case and, and ways to count deaths. It changed again. How do we get to this incredible number? And now we have the variants. We have the Delta variant. We have the Lambda variant. We have all these variants. They want to come door to door to vaccinate you. Against what? a disease with a 99.97 survivability rate if you're properly treated. We've never done this before in our history. There's something that is terribly wrong across the world about this virus. Either this virus really is super dangerous and they are not telling us the full truth, that it was engineered by a Chinese lab with the help of Dr. Fauci, Dr. Barrick, and... Uh, what is it, the EcoHealth Alliance with Peter Daszak? What are we not being told if it's so bad? Why are, they, why are they changing the narrative from day to day? Joe Biden is nothing more than a puppet on a string. He's the old guy that makes everybody supposedly feel better because he doesn't send out nasty tweets and he talks about uniting the country 
while everybody on his staff, all those in the inner circle, are doing everything to divide you and I, to control you and I, to make you afraid to even speak your mind, go to church, or live your life. I'm going to share more on the other side of the break. I want to remind you, this is the program Truth to Ponder, and I am your host, Bob Bierman. This program is kept on shortwave on the air because of the generosity of listeners like you. I couldn't do this without you. I had a letter from a listener. His name is Tim. I'm not going to say his last name. And he shared a wonderful letter, and I've written him back. And it was such an encouragement to hear from a person that has been listening on a regular basis. First time I've heard from him. And maybe you can take the time and let me know for the first time you are listening. There are days that I come before this microphone. It's not easy to do this show every day. I'm a one-man operation. I do the research. I produce it. I edit it. I distribute it. I try to update the website. I try to update the everything about it, and it's not easy. So I told Tim in my email, I said, you know, I'm supposed to be kind of semi-retired doing other things that I've always wanted to do that I never could do before during my almost 50 years in the workforce. But God called me to do this radio show. It's part of a ministry. This is a ministry. Yeah, I'm talking politics for a purpose because it lets you know where we are going in this world. And there's some biblical prophecy that'll tie into this as we go down the next week or so as well. Would you consider writing me to let me know that you're listening? I need to know, especially on shortwave, the quality of signal. I know this time of the year, 5 o'clock Eastern time, the 5950 can be noisy. 9395 is doing much better. And the nighttime signal at 10 p.m. Eastern is doing very well four nights a week. We have Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I wish we had Wednesday, but we don't. Now, on last Thursday night, I'm in Florida at the time, and I'm up a little bit late, staying at a small house near Okeechobee a couple of days during the week so I can produce this program a little bit quieter, less activity going on. Had a small shortwave radio with me, and I put on KVOH out of, out of California, Simi Valley, Rancho Simi Valley area, north of Los Angeles. Their frequency is 9975, and the signal coming into Okeechobee, Florida from California was outstanding and amazing. The problem is I don't hear from enough people from KVOH, so I just want to know if you're listening to KVOH or WRMI. Had a guy contact me last week. He's with a radio station in a smaller town outside of Salt Lake City in Utah. Little AM station. Wanted to know if I wanted to buy airtime on their pretty much all over the road. And I say that in a positive way, by the way. Kind of an eclectic talk formatted station. Good dial position. The rate seems reasonable. I'm praying about it. Maybe I should. I've been given a rate if I pay for the year in advance, that is extremely reasonable. 
I just need to know if it's worth the effort. Maybe there's a couple of other radio stations or networks or places this program could also be on. There are not that many private shortwave stations I could be on. There's there's one out of Maine, WBCQ. I know how much it'll cost per month, and I'm just not ready to be able to spend that. There's another one in Red Lion, Pennsylvania, maybe Nashville, Tennessee. Trying to find out the best places to be to reach this nation with this program. It's one thing we can talk about like what I just did, trying to just set the stage correctly on who Joe Biden is and why he is now the puppet on a string at a White House. He has a reputation, a history, a likable so-called guy. Scrappy guy has a kid from Scranton. But it's obvious he comes to work in the late morning and he's gone by the afternoon. Who's really in charge? We'll talk about this and more. If you believe in the program and you can help us financially, here's the address to mail a check. It is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, Sky Valley, Georgia. By the way, after 21 Berkshire Lane, add the number 263 on that line, just number 263. That's our secure box in Sky Valley, Georgia, zip code 30537. Let me give that again. 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. If you prefer, you can actually support us from the website. How you can help, it's right there on the website. There's a page. And also, if you listen on some of the podcasting sites, you'll see a button for support, and that works just as well. Anything you can do, had a few people support me via PayPal and also uh, via the streaming site. I appreciate it so much. And like Tim did, he used Bob at Truth2Ponder.com, the email address Bob at Truth2Ponder.com. By the way, I'm the only one that sees those email addresses. I have no secretary. I have no staff, though I could use some help. We'll talk about that on the other side. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Your own husband coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in 1 Peter 3, it says in the original language, wives submit yourselves to your own husband. Now you might miss it, but there's something real important in the words. In fact, some translations, you won't even find it. It'll just say wives submit yourselves to your husbands. But the difference is the word own, your own. Why is it thrown in? Well, why is it enough just to say your husband? Well, the point has to be emphasized. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband. Be accountable to your own husband. Love your own husband. Bless your own husband. Focus on your own husband. Not somebody else's husband. Not the husband of the pastor's wife. Not your friend's husband who's more considerate. Not the husband who leads the Bible study in church. Not the husband he's not. Your own husband. Not the husband you want him to be. Your own husband. You see, you'll never love him if that's the case. Your own husband. Don't compare him to another husband. You weren't commanded to be subject or to reverence another husband, but your own husband. 
And a similar thing could be said for you men. You're commanded by God to love your own wives, not your neighbor's wife, your own wife. You're not your friend's wife, your own wife. Husbands and wives, there's nothing else. Your love is to be given to your wife and to your husband, your own. If you can't love the one you pledged to love all your days, then forget about loving anybody else. The notion that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence is a lie. Put your devotion into your own lawn. Delight in the husband or the wife of your youth and the Lord will bless it. Bless your own and your own will become a blessing. Want more? Ask for a beautiful woman. Now hidden for 2,000 years, revealed the awesome, unprecedented mystery of the temple doors and sapphires guaranteed to help you become strong and victorious in God. All free. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. It's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed. But call now. one 800 Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and all the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's the nice Jewish boy. It's box 1111. It's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. And the zip, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah or Haolam, the light of the world. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our program, Truth to Ponder, Monday edition. Glad that many of you are listening. I know I went long in the first segment as I talked about Joe Biden. And understand, I'm not trying to be super critical or or whatever. I'm just trying to be very practical and be very honest about what we have in the White House today. We have literally a president that is incapable of being the president. In many ways, he's the president in name only, a Pino. He was put there because he was a safe bet for the Democrat Party. And from the party's point of view, it was somebody they knew they could control. They knew that they could spin a tale about Grandpa Joe, nice guy, no more mean tweets. He really cares about the country. He's been in service, you know, for almost a half century in Washington. He knows how to get things done. You've heard it. And you saw it. And you also know, I am convinced, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that those in, shall we say, the deep deep state establishment did everything in their power to ensure a victory. Believe me, these campaigns have incredibly good internal polling you rarely see. The push polls the networks use to, to give you a narrative of Biden is 10 points ahead or he's 20 points ahead, they're all meaningless. They were designed to to have Trump voters feel like you're already defeated. Why bother to vote? That's why they call it a push poll. They're going to push you away from voting. 
I don't care if the poll is on Fox News or ABC or CNN or MSNBC, The Washington Post, any of them. I don't care. Honestly, I don't trust most of them because most have always proven themselves in the final analysis to be so far off base when the real election comes. And that's, that's the only poll that counts is the election. Trying to dissuade you early on to defeat you before you even go to the poll is what their mission is. The internal polling tells these campaigns what's going on. And they have to fight accordingly to make things happen. They play the numbers games, especially with the presidency. They know they have to win so many of the electoral college votes, the pledged delegates. How do we get to the magic number? They know what states they can count on right out of the box. Places they really don't even have to campaign, except for the primary. And once they have those numbers, they're playing with small numbers and a few states to get over the finish line. What you and I have always heard as the swing states. States like Ohio, for example, can be a swing state. While generally a conservative state, there are enough cities in Ohio, like a Cleveland, a Columbus, and others, that can be reliably blue or Democrat. And many regions of Ohio, and I've been around that state over 50 years, I can tell you are incredibly conservative. And of the conservatives near Sandusky, if the conservatives that are near Finley and other locations or Mansfield come out and vote, it turns the tide. Call Ohio, for lack of a better term, because of the few big cities, the Toledos, the Clevelands, the Akrons, the Columbus, even Cincinnati. They're the more blue regions. And so you have a divided state, and it doesn't take much to tip it. But I think for the 2020 election, the powers that be realized It's a bridge too far to turn Ohio to Biden. They discovered that with Hillary. She didn't do very well at all in Ohio. So to convince people that Biden won Ohio was a far stretch. Wisconsin, especially Michigan, when you have strongholds of Democrats in certain parts of the state, it's more plausible people would consider it rather reasonable that Michigan could flip. It had gone only by a small margin. I think, if memory serves me, correct me if I'm wrong, like 55,000 votes back in 2016. So it's not that big of a deal to move Michigan to the Biden corner by a small number of votes. And if you look at the counting on election night into the next day, Notice in the states, and this is something that the mainstream media just does not want to acknowledge. You can find it. There's something common in all of these states, including Pennsylvania, including Michigan, including Georgia, including even Arizona. There was something a little bit fishy that went on in those states. 
They were counting on election night. And suddenly they decided to stop counting. No more counting. We're going home for the night. We'll pick this up at 8 o'clock in the morning or whatever time they, they assigned. All the observers, please go home. Everybody leave. We're locking the doors. You must leave now. In Georgia, we have, we, we have a, uh, a water pipe burst. We have to get out of the building so we can get this fixed, and we'll be back in the morning to start counting. In every one of those states where they stopped counting the ballots, in every one of them, didn't see this anywhere else but in those states, suddenly a massive infusion of ballots for only Joe Biden magically appear at 1, 2, and 3 o'clock in the morning when nobody is watching. I don't care what Brad Raffsenberger, who is a liar in my opinion, and should not be the Secretary of State for the state of Georgia, or Brian Kemp try to say now, or those in Fulton County, or those in even Brian, well, even in Brad's office, Brad Raffsenberger's office, that illegally defied a judge's order and have messed with ballots in Fulton County. So now they're forever tainted. See, when you have people like Brad Raffsenberger, and Brian Kemp, who are essentially establishment Republican never-Trumpers. You can't trust them. They were willing to let Biden get into the White House just to stick it to, uh, to, to Trump. What they didn't count on was they couldn't fix the problems fast enough or how the steal was done fast enough, and they lost not one but two seats in the United States Senate. That, my friend, they didn't plan on. Because face it, face it, the two people running for the United States Senate on the Republican side were rhinos. They're, they're establishment Republicans. The country club set. They talk a good game, but the evidence in their own personal lives is not there. And they were wanting to keep them but because they were so deep in and people were beginning to question. In other words, I don't think that Brad Raffsenberger and Brian Kemp ever conceived outside of a little bit of noise in November that people would still be yelling about the steal in December and then into early January when they had their election on the 5th of January to fill the two Senate seats and lost by a small margin. The same kind of small margin by which Biden won. That was a huge surprise. At minimum, you would have expected to keep one of the two Senate seats, but they didn't. They lost them both to two of the most radical people the state of Georgia has ever put into the United States Senate. Two of the most undeserving candidates, two of the most deceptive candidates, two of the most dangerous people you can imagine in the United States Senate. But they couldn't stop what they had already started. Because to stop it then would reveal the real steal in November. And so Brian Kemp, in an effort to salvage what's left, 
of his reputation. And as far as I'm concerned, he has none. Raffsenberger has none. Raffsenberger cut deals with Stacey Abrams, the failed gubernatorial candidate from 2018, to allow things that are against the law in Georgia, and it happened. The law was broken. I still want to know what what Brad was talking to with the people that run the voting software machines using his personal Gmail account. Why would you do government business on your personal business Gmail account? But he did, and that's against the law. And nobody's being held accountable. They're still trying to bury the evidence like a cat at a litter box, trying to hide what they did. Because if it's ever revealed, they're going to be complicit. They were inadvertently a part of the steal. They agreed to things illegally in the state of Georgia that allowed the massive cheating in places like Fulton County to occur. And magically, 100,000 votes appear for Biden out of nowhere on ballots that look like they came out of a copy machine. But see, nobody wants to look at those ballots. Nobody wants to look at the signatures. Nobody wants to verify. Nobody wants the truth. They don't want the light of truth on any of what they did because when that light hits, it'll also shine on them. And so what what did Brian Kemp do? He passed this massive, we got to fix the voting in Georgia. Of course, thankfully, the Republican-dominated legislature, which is not happy about what happened, obviously, in November, set out to fix it. And then Kemp brags about signing it. Well, Governor Kemp, Secretary of State Raffsenberger, you never should have allowed the law to be broken in your state to begin with for the November election that spilled over because you couldn't change it fast enough for the January runoffs and the January special election. You couldn't do it. It was too late. You had to give up those two Senate seats to keep your own hide intact. I have a prayer for this nation. There are times that in spite of all the things that my heart tells me are going to happen, the bad things yet to come, and there are some bad things coming in the not-too-distant future. My wife tells me sometimes, keep your mouth shut, because sometimes some of what you say ends up almost being prophecy. I make no claims to being a prophet. But my heart tells me, prepare for a very dark winter, a very fearful winter, a winter time where the government reprobates are going to be empowered to do more of what they did last year to consolidate their power. Because, see, they've got another election coming up in 2022. They must keep the fear alive. If they tried to shut things down purely for global warming, I don't think most Americans would put up with it for too long. But now we have this new thing, the new variants, the Delta, the Lamba, and who knows what they'll come up with next, the Alpha and Omega? I don't know. 
And they'll try to tell us that, well, everybody must get the vaccine to stop the spread of the variants, and it's going to be just a dismal time. Before the break, I was saying, look at the number of people that allegedly died purely of the coronavirus, and I, I still dispute the number. Look, I know somebody that almost died at the age of 40 from the virus, but if you understood the care that person was receiving, the situation in which they were in, I am surprised they are alive today. It had nothing to do with the strength of the virus. It had to do with the lack of good care. There'll be a lawsuit on that, by the way. I don't believe for one moment that 600,000 otherwise healthy Americans contracted the virus and mysteriously died on a ventilator by themselves in a hospital. Somebody pointed out, like in Ohio, for example, and these stats are relatively the same across the country. The average age of dying of any cause, any cause, old age, cancer, car accident, whatever it may be, is like, you know, 73 years of age. The average age of dying of COVID-19 is like 83. It varies just a little bit. Children virtually have no issue with the virus, but they want to inject this experimental gunk into their arm. I do a lot of reading, and I see a lot of over-the-top stuff that even I go, I can't really get behind this. I just get this bad spiritual feeling, just leave that one alone. But there are some, there's some people that talk about, oh, 100 million or 200 million people in the United States are going to die because of the vaccine. I, I don't, my heart does not witness that at all. But here's what I really believe can happen. And many others in the medical field are starting to feel the same way. Over the next several years, People that otherwise would have lived to be, let's say, 85 will make it to 79. And nobody's really going to notice because, well, they had the vaccine five years ago or six years ago or three years ago. So it can't be the vaccine that compromised their immune system. And they just come down with something and they get pneumonia and they're in the hospital and they die. But I'll tell you what we're really going to see, and it, it may take five years if, if the Lord doesn't return before then to see this. I believe the one thing that it is going to happen, the one thing that was never really studied, and we keep hearing little reports about how this may impact reproductive, you know, reproduction in human beings. There are some stats out there that seem reasonable, that seem to be credible, that talk about the, the, the really scary number of women who were pregnant in their first and second trimester that had a miscarriage in vastly, I mean, extremely higher numbers than normally would occur. Women talking about interruptions in their monthly cycles that are just abnormal who took the vaccine.
And there are those that wonder, will there be a long-term impact on the United States' ability to have children at a time when China, for the first time, is encouraging having more children? That may be something to think about for a moment. China, after all those years of a one-child policy, is magically switching to, hey, maybe you need to have two. Maybe we need more children in the future than we have now. And here in the United States, with, with couples delaying having children, having less, if that becomes impeded by 30% or 40 some say higher, we will watch older people die sooner, I believe, because of the vaccine, and younger people not having children and thus the goal of a lower population in the United States will be achieved. Remember, Satan plays the long game. All despots, all those that are demon-possessed do. They use people even though they'll never see the goal achieved. Sometimes it's us Christians that are looking for immediate results that cannot be achieved in our lifetime. But Satan is playing the long game. If the Lord were to tarry for another 25 years and we have less children being born, older people dying sooner and the population going down, and a population in a place like China is going up, what chance do we stand? I'm not sure if you agree with what I'm sharing. Maybe you have some additional thoughts. I'd like to hear from you. I have a direct personal email address, bob at truth2ponder.com. Bob at truth2ponder.com. I really need to know during this month of July, we're about halfway in, how we're doing on shortwave, what frequencies are good, which ones are not, because we have to pay the bill every month to stay on the air. While in Florida last week, I actually saw how good the signal was on KVOH. But then again, I don't hear from enough of you on KVOH to even know that it's worth being on KVOH. Would you tell me? Same with WRMI. I need to know which frequencies and times you're listening. Should I consider other stations? I'm ready to listen to your ideas because I'm here to serve you. If you believe in this work, And we'll talk more about the satellite network later this week. Would you help us out with a small gift? Our mailing address, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. Number 263, our secure box in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, zip code 30537. And if you prefer, you can also support us from our website or even from the Anchor Uh, podcast site. There's a way to support the ministry from there. Thank you for listening today. May God bless you. And we will be back tomorrow. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth 
to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.